Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 310, Kristen from Massachusetts wants to drill down into the specifics of retirement withdrawals with pointed questions on dollar cost averaging, distribution strategies, pro rata withdrawals, and the bucket approach. And of course, Joe and Big Al are happy to opine. Plus, a retirement withdrawal strategy with a side of pension and social security for Jeff in San Diego, another mortgage payoff question, this time from Richard, Smitty and the Small Business Solo 401k Trap, a limited liability company or LLC for supply chain manager Jeremy's kayak side hustle, and FIPhysician.com says nice things about YMYW. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. We that's, have, that's a long one. We yeah. have three pages. What are people yeah. thinking? How long do you think it took Kristen from Massachusetts to write this thing? <laughs> this was over weeks, maybe months. This is like her full financial plan she sent us. <laughs> Kristen from Massachusetts writes in. And it's uh, writing is an understatement. This thing is long. <laughs> and I I think if it were any longer, you'd have to bind <clears throat> it in a book. Right. I'm going to give it my best shot, folks. So this is a long one. And you know me, if you've ever listened to this show before, I'm not a very good reader. That's why it's endearing. It is very. But she starts it with, hi, fellas. Hi, fellas. I, I, I kind of like that. That's folksy. Okay. Joe and Big Al and hello, Andy. Uh, my name is Kristen, and I've enjoyed listening to so many of your YMYW podcasts while I make my commute to work on Cape Cod in my 2013 Honda Civic. If you live in Cape Cod, I would think you would have a nicer car than a Honda Civic. <laughs> I don't know. Or I don't know. Maybe you might think well, in the Hamptons or something. Or Cape, I've never been to Cape Cod. Yeah. But I, Honda Civic, you roll, girl. Yeah. She works on Cape Cod. That doesn't mean she lives there. Oh, okay. On. So she's on Cape Cod. Yeah. That in. She's on. Got it. Different word. All right. Planning and dreaming about retirement. I'm a second time emailer with a topic that I really don't think I have heard too much discussion about during your sessions. So here it goes. So she's double dipping. And this thing is six pages long. (laughs) She is. My husband, 57 has had six employers in his career and has most of his money in five Fidelity rollover IRA accounts, all in equities. Each of these has about three mutual funds inside of them. And for the most part, they are untouched from the time of the rollover. Plus he has one account, a Roth IRA at Fidelity. He opened in 2018 podcast 175. You're welcome. (laughs) When, when you helped us out by suggesting to take advantage of some losses on the sale of our Florida condo. Um, we moved some of the money from one of those rollover IRAs, paid the tax, not too much, and converted to a Roth IRA. We did that with about $80,000. And thanks to you guys in the market run, it's now worth much more. Thanks again. My husband now has a Fidelity 401k plan with his most recent employer. Uh, long story short, he has a couple accounts with under $30,000 from more recent employers and a couple accounts from employers in the 1990s that have about $300,000. I, on the other hand, 54, um, and have been with the same employer for 32 years and have only one traditional 401k. The company I work for have changed 401k holding companies multiple times, most recently in 2018 by liquidating our accounts from Prudential and moving them to Fidelity and buying similar funds to what I have been invested in. So I question. Every time my company changes 401k companies, doesn't that totally annihilate my dollar cost averaging? 
What was that word, Joe? Uh, annihilate. 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 What? I mean, <laughs> if they stayed with the original company that I was investing in 32 years ago, all those shares in the mutual funds from a long time ago would have grown to the cost basis back in the 1990s or so would be worth much, much more. Instead, each time they change 401k companies, it's like I started over. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't spell. Um, And I lose all of those gains, and I would have had from having my money invested in the original shares that I bought a long time ago. Is this true? Uh, The answer is no. No, you're good. You're good, Kristen. And let me explain. Yeah. Is that, let's say you started with a dollar a share, and then you're in a large company mutual fund. Right. And that dollar a share goes to ten dollars a share. And you have these nice big gains. And they get rid of that 401k plan, but you go into another large company growth fund. Well, you're buying that large company growth fund, guess what? At ten dollars a share. Then that ten dollars a share, right? It's the same same. You're selling that 10, buying that 10. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I'll say it a different way. So you have fifty thousand dollars in your 401k that you originally put twenty thousand in, right? The fifty thousand is now what you start with into the next 401k. So you're not like you're going back to 20,000, what you invested, you've got all 50. And so you're, 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 you may have different investments, but all of those gains get rolled into the new investments. So don't worry about that. Right. As long as you stayed in similar investments, which she stated she did, Yes. it doesn't matter. If she sold and all of a sudden they, they said, you know what, we're not going to have you any, you're not going to participate in the market anymore. It's going to go to cash. Right. And then the next plan says, okay, you can participate in the market. Then you buy back into the market. And then they change plans again and saying, okay, well, no, this is just an all cash plan. Right. They're not doing that. They're just switching providers potentially to give you more opportunity and maybe lower costs, um, maybe better record keeping. Who knows why they're changing so often? Yeah. Um, But but I guess the point is all the gains that you had in plan number one transfer to plan number two, maybe with different investments, all those gains transfer into plan number three, right? Maybe with different investments, but no, you don't lose your gains. And so here's another thing too that people get kind of get a little confused on. Let's say you had two IRAs, one at $10,000, you know, both at $10,000. And then they're like, well, if I combine them, won't I make more money? Because compounding interest on 20,000 is better than 10,000. Right. And I'm like, okay, but you still have 20,000. They're just in two separate accounts. <laughs> Well, 10, no, 10,000 double is the same as 20,000 in a single it's the account. Same. Yeah. Right. So, well, no, they switched this account and it's still dollars. Right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, anyway so you probably didn't understand what, what we said, but our answer is don't worry about it. You're fine. You're fine. No, you're good. Okay. When I hear you talk about taking distributions from your 401k and or IRAs, can you please explain that in more detail? Okay. Taking dollars out of a 401k plan. That is a distribution. <laughs> Let's say you call up your company. I want a thousand dollars. Boom! It shows up in your account. You're good. Yeah. Uh, if you need income, <laughs> if you need, you know, like it's a distribution. You're just taking she, money from the account. She probably wants to know what a, what accounts what accounts to take it from. Maybe we'll see. All right. Please, can you explain that in more detail? Okay. Our plan is to retire at 62, and she's going to retire at 58. I want to keep my money in the 401k plan. So when I separate from service, I can have access to my money after uh, when I turn 55. And I was hoping to retire on the sooner side. My plan is for us to live off the 401k for the next five years, setting up a three bucket strategy using the money in my husband's rollover IRA to rebalance the buckets until we take social security at age 70. The largest of my husband's accounts is a mix of Contra Fund, Magellan Fund, and Over the Counter. 
fun. Uh, so this goes back to sort of the first question about dollar cost averaging over time and the length of time invested. Should I use up the money that is in the smaller account first, letting those older and bigger funds grow even more or do the opposite? Wow. <laughs> I didn't even read this. And I knew that because the question she asked, I knew she was, her brain thinks that way, which is totally fine, which a lot of people do, sure. right? Because she's got three different accounts. She's like, well, you know, the bigger ones are going to grow faster than the smaller ones yeah. because there's more money in the bigger ones. No, it, it doesn't work that way. It's all the same. This reminds me of the, the my cousin Benny whole thing, right? When your grits cook faster. Okay, I, I digress. I have to episode five, 300 to get that story. <laughs> I have five to seven years of experience Expenses. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, five to seven years of expenses in a bond fund in my 401k plan. Wait to spend down when we retire. I get nervous about three years ago. It trans- transferred a bunch of cash with Prudential. Then I got directed into a bond fund when my Fidelity 401k switched. Okay. Uh, when it comes time to take a distribution, am I going to be able to take money only from this bond fund or does a little bit of every fund that I have in my 401k have to come out? So that's a good question. Yes. So is it pro rata? She's asking. Yeah. So she's got three different funds and a bond fund, right? She's got OTC, she's got Magellan, and she's got yeah. Contra Fund. Yeah. And can, then she, she's she, got a bond fund. Can she pick which fund to take the money out of, or does she have to do it from all four? Right. So if you take $1,000 out, is it 250 per fund? Right. Or is it $1,000 from one fund? Um, you, you can, it's your money, Kristen. You can yeah. do whatever you want. You can select whatever you want. The answer is it doesn't matter. So this is not like the pro rata rule when you're talking about basis in an, an IRA versus not basis, pre, pre-tax, after-tax money. You can do anything you want. So what she's doing is she's bridging the gap into Social Security. So she wants to retire before age 59 and a half. So she's got money into a 401k plan that she wants to keep in the 401k plan. The reason why she wants to keep it in the 401k plan is that you can take distributions from a 401k plan at age 55 if you separate from service at age 55 without a 10% penalty. So she's right on target there. Keep the money in the 401k plan. But then I got confused. She's then her husband plan is the three bucket plan or whatever. Just look at it is that if, if you and your husband have your money or is it her money and his money and you keep your finances totally separate, well, then that's a, a different story. But if you're looking at it, hey, you need the cash for you at 55, but your husband's older than you. So he would have access to the money of his money prior to you turn 59 and a half. So there's some confusion that I have here, depending on how they're looking at their finances, but I get where she's going. Um, And then to wrap this thing up, two years ago, I started a 401k with my company's fidelity plan. I started contributing to that in a hope not to tap into the Roth IRA portion until my very last needs in retirement or pass it to my children. What is pro rata? Where and when can I, uh, when can it cause problems during the distribution? When does pro rata apply? I thought that my Roth 401k account could be left alone for many years to grow. Uh, so pro rata. Now, you just kind of explained pro rata. Um, yeah, I think you do a good job, though, because with, with uh, uh, 401ks, Roth 401ks, you do have to do an RMD. But if it gets uh, rolled out to a Roth IRA, you don't have to do an RMD. Right. So you just roll the, the 401k Roth into the Roth IRA and you're fine. Then you don't necessarily have to take the RMD and let it grow. So um, 
be careful with what you're thinking here. Um, she's like, well, let's go bonds first, then equities first, then Roth third. No, you want to look at your entire portfolio first of how much money that you have. Second, how much money do you need? So let's say you have a million dollars in your spend and you need 40,000 from the portfolio. That's your first step. Then you divide the 40,000 into the million and you're like, okay, well, that's a 4% distribution rate. I'm in my late 50s. Ah, I don't know. That's pretty close. Maybe we can't spend 40,000. The second piece of this is look where the money's held. How much is in a 401k plan versus Roth account versus brokerage account? That's tax diversification. Look at you and your husband's money together. So what do you have total in 401k accounts? What do you have total in Roth accounts? What do you have total in brokerage accounts? Right. And so you, let's say you needed that $40,000 to live off of. Well, you create the portfolio to create that $40,000 of income. Some days you will spend bonds. Some other days you will spend secu- um, equities, depending on what happens with the market. So she's got this like bucket strategy. Get, um, Get rid the, of it. the buckets are gone. <laughs> you got a hole in your bucket. Okay. <laughs> so you want to use a, in, in Alan and I's opinion, you want to use a total return approach. Uh, but how you create a little bit more juice in it is by making sure that you're you're taking a look at taxes. Uh, so she writes on, thanks so much for reading to the end of this email. I hope I haven't frustrated you guys too much on this topic, but this withdrawal process needed to be clear, needed more clarification for me. And I don't want to make too many mistakes so close to retirement. I hope you don't mind if I pick your brains again in the future. I have a question about an IRA annuity and variable life insurance policies that I brought one in my early 20s. I can't wait for part three yeah, but that's right. of uh, Kristen from Massachusetts. Uh, thanks so much for your email. Hopefully that helped. No matter which stage you're in in life, decisions you make will affect your financial security both today and for years to come. All of Kristen's questions about retirement withdrawals show that to be true. This week on YMYWTV, Joe and Big Al help you crack the financial code at any age. They'll walk you through financial strategies and actions to take in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s to help you overcome any previous missteps and set yourself up for a more successful retirement. Watch YMYWTV and download Download the free companion guide in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get there. Share the love and spread the knowledge. Post the YMYW podcast and TV show on your social media with the hashtag YMYW and email the links to your friends, family, colleagues, dogs, cats, whoever. Question from Richard. What can you tell about index investments? That's on page 10. Oh, yeah, you can answer that. And- <laughs> Page 10, what can you tell from index investing? About index investments. Well, they're pretty good. <laughs> I, I like them. Yeah, and they're strong. They're, How's your portfolio? Yeah, I got strong. indexes. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I, I like I like indexes. I mean, it depends which index, I guess, you're talking about. But in general, index funds are, have very low internal costs, and they're, they're, they generally do not have a lot of trades inside the account, so there's not a lot of trading costs either. You're diversified. Within the asset class that you're selecting, yeah, it's very but, low cost. But there's different kinds efficient. of index funds. So have have some domestic, have some international, have some small company, have some large company. So there's, there's more than one index. But yeah, we like index funds. Yeah, you just want to look at what asset class you want to take advantage of, and if you invest in an index fund, it's a very cheap, inexpensive, efficient way to invest. Jeff from San Diego writes in, "Hello, Joe, Big Al, and Andy. I've been listening to your podcast for the last six months or so." 
uh, usually while walking my dog, a fluffster. Fluffster. That's a cool name. A fluffster. That's got to be one of those small fluffy dogs. A Maltese mix. Now. Yeah, there you go. I drive a 2014 Volvo and value the information you provide and enjoy that you do it in an entertaining way. I live in San Diego and have a retirement strategy question for you. I'm nearly 59 and plan to retire at 65. My wife is a year younger and will also like to retire when she reaches 65. The vast majority of our retirement income will derive from traditional IRAs, 401k, Social Security, and after-tax savings. We will have a small pension. Uh, $4,000 annually or $70,000 lump sum. Here's the strategy I'm proposing, Allie. Okay. In order to maximize the Social Security payout, I will wait to claim until I'm 70, while my wife will claim her benefit while she's 67. Once I turn 70, she will claim the additional spousal offset since her spousal benefit will likely be larger than her benefit alone. Uh, fail. <laughs> Jeff. That you could have done that. Um, how old is he? He is 59. No, so she's 58, a year younger. So that strategy does not exist anymore. Um, it's deemed so when she claims her benefit, right? So, what he's he's trying to do is that all right, he's claiming his benefit, she's going to claim what her own benefit, and then it will switch over to the spousal benefit once she reaches age 70. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. I, He's I doing things. I mean, even if her benefit, you, you would do the opposite if you could. You, she would first claim the spousal benefit because then her benefit continues to grow by the 8% delayed retirement credit until she turns age 70. Then she would turn her benefit on at age 70. She would file a restricted application to do that. However, two, three years ago, they changed the law. You cannot file that restricted application and let your own benefit grow. So while she's claiming her benefit at age 67, she's going to get the higher of the two or it's going to be deemed together. She's going to get her benefit plus the spousal benefit at that time when she claims. So, okay. Flaw number one, Jeff. (laughs) Sorry to burst your bubble. Yeah, that's too bad. Okay. Bridge the five years until Social Security starts for me using a combination of the after-tax savings and distributions from the IRA 401ks weighted toward the after-tax savings so the IRAs and 401ks can continue to grow. Okay? You like that so far? Uh, No, fail. Okay. (laughs) Failure. (laughs) Jeff, come on. The the reason is because you want to, if you're in a super low bracket because you're not receiving Social Security and you've got after-tax money you can live off of, then you want to maximize those low tax brackets by doing Roth conversions. Or either take the distributions to the lower brackets. Either one. One or the two. Either one. Once I turn 70, the retirement income will then largely derive from Social Security and uh, traditional IRAs 401k with much less continuing from after-tax savings. Note, I've already recently... What? Coming from after-tax savings. What did I say? Continuing. It's the same, same. It doesn't matter. Okay. With much less (laughs) coming from (laughs) after-tax savings. Oh, that's much more clear now. Yes. Uh, Note... I've only recently started contributing to a Roth 401k at work, so there will be some money in your Roth, but relatively small portion of the nest egg. Does this seem like a reasonable strategy, especially step number two? Any input on taking the monthly versus lump sum payment for the pension since it'll be relatively small component of our retirement? 
I like the idea of a monthly payment, even if it's small. Thank you very much. Keep up the good work, Jeff. All right, Jeff, we'll, we'll give you a pass because he's only been listening for six months. <laughs> okay. You need to go six years right. to, to kind of get it. To, to really point. get it. Yes. What we're trying to say. Right. It takes us six years to, for anyone to follow us. Okay. So your social security strategy is flawed. So if your wife claims the benefit at 67 and 67, right, it is what it is. No big deal. So you got to bridge the gap for your social security to turn on at age 70. So when you bridge that five-year gap, um, you want to look at taxes, right? So if you have enough non-qualified, because what he's doing is this, he's letting his deferred, defer, 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 right? It's compounding tax deferred and growing, which is great. But the problem is it's all going to be taxed at ordinary income when he pulls the money out and his social security is going to be larger, right? So he's pushing his social security up to the maximum amount. His wife is going to have a large benefit. So his fixed income, and then he has no diversification at that point. All of his income is going to come from a retirement account. Wait, see, what, what Jeff is doing is what traditional advice is. I mean, by most financial planners, which we disagree with. Correct. I would look at if you're taking money to bridge the gap, you either convert the money from the 401k to the Roth in low brackets, the 10%, the 12%. You can even do a lot more. Um, than the top of the 12 because you have the standard deduction. So that's your first step to see, all right, well, how much that you want to convert there. Um, if you don't want to do the conversion, at least take money from the 401k plan up to the standard deduction. It's 25000 That's tax-free to you. Right. And then you can supplement or maybe go to the 10% bracket. So that's what, 25, 35, that's 45,000, 50 grand of income 25 is tax-free. The other 20 is going to be taxed tax at 10. And plus almost no state, depending upon what state you're in. Right. And then supplement that with your after-tax dollars, depending on how much money that you want to live off of. And then so you're not blowing all of the diversification that you have, right? I know you don't have any Roth now, but you can do conversions. You can start. You still got time. I think to me, this is one of the classic mistakes that we see from people, which is they retire they're in a really low bracket. They're living off their after-tax money. They're thinking, boy, this retirement, it's, you don't pay any taxes. This is great. And then 70 hits, social security starts. Now 72 hits, required minimum distributions hit. It's like, oh, well, wait a minute. Now the rest of my life, I'm in a higher bracket. Right. And, and in some cases, a very high bracket, depending upon how much you've saved in your deferred accounts. He's compounding the tax problem. Richard, back in December... He wrote us, hey, Joe and Al, a, a very generous pension that transfers to my wife. I'm 10 years older than her, approximately $13,000 per month. Wow, that is generous. Very generous, very generous. Uh, we have no other debt other than our first mortgage. We are both retired 65, and she's 55. All right. I probably shouldn't have... But I've already started taking my Social Security at age 62 because it was drastically reduced due to the state pension. I have about $100,000 in savings and another $400,000 in IRA loans. We have an opportunity to pay off our house in about 15 years. The new mortgage will be about $1,000 a month more than what we've been paying comfortably. I know you would say refinance into a 30-year and have liquidity to pay it down. But that's never worked for us. I could tell. <laughs> it actually, that strategy doesn't work for many. 
we end up giving money to our adult children or spending it. Um, I'm also concerned that the pension may not always be there uh, where the state is spending their money. Uh, what do you think? Would he feel more comfortable knowing that the house is paid off? What are your thoughts? So he's concerned about his pension, may not always be there the way the state is spending money. It would feel more comfortable knowing that the house is paid off. So he's asking us now, should he pay down the mortgage or not? Yeah. Should he stick with his 15-year mortgage or should he get a 30-year or what? Right? That is the question Richard is saying. Wife is 55. He's 65. Yeah. And his pension is uh, generous. Generous and transferable. (laughs) So his wife will presumably will outlive him being female and 10 years younger. So at any rate, um, that is standard advice we give to people in retirement is refinance to a 30-year so you have better cash flow. And I still think that might be the right case, Richard, just because why feel stressed and strapped when you're, when you're coming into retirement? However, if you can comfortably pay a 15-year mortgage, there's no harm in that because you've got other resources. You've got a good fixed income. I don't know what state he's from. I'm, I'll assume California just by the way he said. He said I don't like the way they're spending. I'm not too worried about California's pension. I, now, if you're a California state employee right now and you're 40, maybe it'll change by the time you get to retirement. But not, I wouldn't worry about a current retirement amount. So I would say if you can comfortably pay the extra thousand a month and you can pay it off in 15 years and it's a forced savings plan, yeah, sure, go for it. I agree. I'm with you. I don't know how large the mortgage is, though. Doesn't say. You know? Um, so it's just a thousand more. A thousand more. So it's got to be sizable enough to have a, a good size mortgage payment. Sure. So uh, it, I guess, but, y- you know, <clears throat> he's right. I mean, if he does spend it or give it to his adult children, who cares? Yeah. You know, you got $13,000 a month coming in. Yeah, I think you could probably cover it unless it's a giant mortgage. Maybe. Sell the house and move, Richard. Jeff's and Richard's pensions both play a part in the financial decisions they need to make for retirement. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes for more from the fellas and their team at Pure Financial Advisors on deciding between a pension lump sum or monthly payments, along with other free resources for small business owners like Smitty and Jeremy coming up shortly. If you still have questions, click Ask Joe and Al on air in the podcast show notes, send them in, and the fellas will answer them here on the YMYW podcast. Uh, Let's see. We got Smitty, our boy Smitty from the Villages. Can't wait to buy a golf cart. <laughs> you just want to hang out with him because of his name. I do. Um, hey guys, hope you're all had a happy new year. I have something totally different for you guys today. It's about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act on QBI, Qualified Business Income Deduction, Section 199 Cap A. That's correct. See, you like that, Al? That was pretty good. That was that. The first tax seminar I went to after this, they, they kept saying 199 cap A. It's like, I've got it already. You could just say 199A. I don't need the cap every time. <laughs> Last week, I was trying to figure out how much of my solo 401k I could convert to my Roth IRA without busting over the 24% bracket. This is not a Roth conversion question, guys. So sorry. So I'm trying to figure out the Section 199 Cap A tax calculation on how many 2020 solo 401k contributions uh, would play into these calculations. 
what I discovered was my solo 401k contributions don't get a dollar for dollar deduction. I wonder what kind of business Smitty's in. He's in he's in finance. <laughs> I mean, he's got he's 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 going in the QBI, right? Because the larger deduction that you get sometimes phases out the QBI. Yeah. Plus, the um, when you have a solo four hundred one k, it reduces your business income, and you get less QBI deduction. So because, that, that's what he's getting at, right? Because the the deduction is based on the gross, not net after four hundred one k. Yeah, after four hundred one k, right? Got it. All right. <clears throat> What I did discover was my solo 401k contributions are getting an 80% deduction, not the full 100. But when it comes to RMDs, that those same contributions would be 100% taxable. It seems like a partial double taxation to me. I wasn't sure if I was right on this, so I did some more research and I found sources to back this up. One source referred it to as the solo 401k trap. (laughs) It comes up with this stuff. (laughs) It's a marketing firm. Um, So now I'm thinking when it comes to Section 199 Cap A and the Solo 401k that they don't play well together. I'm hoping you guys can confirm this for me. I'm wondering if it would be better if I pulled out my 2020 Solo 401k contribution I already made and instead just put it in a regular taxable brokerage account, this avoiding the 20% markup on my contributions. I've already maxed out my HSA and Roth IRA for 2020, so I think I'm out of options. Would my 401k contributions be better off in a taxable brokerage account and thus avoiding the solo 401k trap that comes from the section 199 cafe? Smitty from the villages. Ooh, black 2019 Yamaha drive to cute tech four stroke with independent suspension. This thing purse. <laughs> I feel it's quiet tech. Oh, it's know. one of those marketing terms. Drive to what? Is that, is that the golf cart? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Are. So the, the 401k solo tax trap, you know? Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> here's why. So first of all, here's an example. So let's say you, your profit in your business is 100000 And so your QBI, your qualified business uh, income deduction is $20,000, 20% of that. Okay. If you add a $20,000 401k, let's just say as a deduction, now your net income is 80 because it's considered a deduction for purposes of QBI. So basically you lost $20,000 of income for your QBI. QBI is 20% of the 20, right? You follow me so far? So 20% of 20,000 in that example is what you lose. So that's $4,000 deduction that you're losing out of. Let's say you're in a 25% tax bracket, just to be simple, okay? Thousand so bucks. Thousand buck tax. I, I, I would not do anything different just for that thousand bucks. It's not worth your effort and time. Yeah. One of the things he could do is just switch the solo 401k to a Roth 401k instead of going to a brokerage. He'd be so worried about the, he loses a thousand dollar deduction, right? Or tax. Right. Right. Yeah. Because he loses some of the QBI. If, if the QBI didn't exist, you wouldn't be bitching about it. I know. But that's, but I mean, so, but his point to go back to his side is there is a, I mean, if you want to count it this way, there's a slight double taxation because you're not getting a full deduction for it. I do agree with you. I'm just telling, I'm just saying it's not that big a deal. It's in the, my example, it's a thousand bucks. It's not going to make or break this whole thing. Right. <clears throat> so, so if you're trying to undo something and it's the difficult. Benefit, the benefit of the 401k is, is still larger, even with a thousand dollar delta. Here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, okay. Thanks, Benny. 
Um, I'll let you know how my golf cart shopping goes. Uh, Jeremy from Cookerville, Tennessee. Cookville. Al, Andy, and Joe. I have a tax question. I've been managing the supply chain here in Tennessee for the last five years. See the supply chain manager that keeps writing to us? Yes. Got it. Yeah, we've we've tried to we never figured out what a supply chain is, have we? About two years about two years ago, I started a side hustle buying and selling small boats, canoes, and kayaks. Very popular in this area. Cookerville is very known for their kayaking. <laughs> Even Cookville is too. I probably made a couple of thousand the first year, but in 2020 I made it big, 8K. At what point? Do I need to start considering tax implication or possibly an LLC? The eight thousand dollars is net profit, and I have no clue about the tax situation I may be creating. From a liability standpoint, I assume that the buyers are buying at their own risk. I've sold about fifty or sixty boats in the two-year period, and they have zero buyers contact me about problems with their new boat or complaints about the purchase. Fifty or sixty boats—that's a lot of boats. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's made eight thousand dollars. It's a low commission. <laughs> well, they're, they're little kayaks that are $300. That's a ton of work for eight grand. I don't know about you, but I would stick with your supply chain business. Yeah, that does sound better. Oh, my goodness, Jeremy. But he likes it. He likes boats. I'm happy to pay the taxes if I if the law, if the law says I owe any. Yeah, it does say you owe some. Yeah, just, just a smidge. Uh, this year, I used $6,000 of profits to purchase a 2005 four-door Chevy Silverado. It's navy blue and has about 107 miles on it. It's a utility vehicle. It only gets driven about once a week. My daily driver is a 2005 white Nissan Marino. It's about 210,000 miles on it. This guy's a grinder. <laughs> He's grinding his cars. He's grinding his body with these... Canoes. Right. He's going to drive the um, Moreno to, to 300,000 300, or until it blows up. All right. Jeremy, the supply chain manager from Cookerville, Tennessee. <laughs> well, uh, Jeremy, so a couple of things. If you generally, you either have a sole proprietorship, which is what you have when you have nothing. That's what you currently Would have. Would you sell 50 or 60 canoes for eight grand? Well, that's net. That's net. That's for all his expenses. I mean, I can't get over that. <laughs> that's a lot of work. Actually, he says it's in the two-year period that he sold 50 to 60. So yeah. what is it, like 10K? 25 to, 25 to 30 boat sales a year to make, call it 16,000. He makes, a, like, what is that? $133 a boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I, I think you're going to have to quit your day job if you really want to really accelerate this and make some That's, Now, that is scalable. Now, this is a business that is scalable. I would say right off the bat, I wouldn't even worry about an LLC or an S corporation until you had at least 50000 of profits, maybe more. But so understand this, an LLC, this would be what was, would be called a single member LLC which is a disregarded entity for tax purposes. So basically it's if it wasn't there. The only benefit of the LLC is that you get some limited liability protection if you have employees, which you probably don't and probably won't have employees. So LLC makes no sense whatsoever. An S corporation, on the other hand, 
the benefit there is that you can take your profits and split them between salary and profits. Salary, you have to pay self-employment tax, which is like social security taxes on wages. Profits, you don't have to pay it. You do have to pay yourself a reasonable wage for your energy and effort. So, but yeah, no, at $8,000 of profits, I would stick with the sole proprietorship. This is what you currently have. It's fine. Yes, you do have to pay taxes on it. You have to pay self-employment taxes and income taxes both on that. But you can set up a little retirement plan. You can do a, a, a SEP IRA, a Simplified Employer Pension Plan IRA. Or if your supply chain job does not have a 401k, you could set up your own solo 401k with this little tiny business and basically shelter all the profits, potentially. Yeah, I would get out of the canoe business. <laughs> but what if he likes it? I suppose. I guess you, you never work a day in your life if you enjoy what you're doing. That's right. Something, and he bought a Chevy Silverado. That's a badass truck. About 107,000 miles. 2005. Cruising. Yeah. Want to um, say thank you, I guess. can we? I don't know if we can say thank you or not. I'll probably get in trouble. FIPhysician.com. We're voted best retirement podcast of 2021. Yeah, with humor. Not total, right? With humor. Yes. Yeah. Because he, he just can pick the best podcast. So he, 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 he's got different categories. Yeah, different categories. We're, we're the winner of the humor one. Yeah. It's like the best new retirement podcast of the year. I wonder what our competition was on the humor one. I don't know. <laughs> In this uh, arena, I would say there is none. <laughs> he goes, yes. That's what I'm thinking. Best right? retirement podcast. With humor. He goes, yeah, your money, your wealth is hilarious. Good humor, good planning. In addition to production value of the show is perhaps best in class. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Thank you, Five Physician. Yes. Nice. Hosts, Big Alan Joe. Well, first of all, this guy is just totally whacked. <laughs> he doesn't get the billing right. It's <laughs> Joe and Big Al. First of all. Depends who's talking. It could be. I mean, I might have a different perspective. Uh, we answer a wide variety of questions, including retirement, Social Security, Al's a CPA. So there's a tax-centric nature that you don't find in other retirement podcasts. This is a great addition and marks this retirement podcast stands out. It makes it. Oh, sorry. Makes it. Yeah, we stand out, Al. Yeah. Um, yeah, and thanks, everyone, for the one-star review this week. Appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, the show sucks. One means bad, five means good, just to <laughs> remind you. Uh, yeah, so check out fiphysician.com. He's got a whole list here of um, interesting podcasts. So um, if you like, well, our, uh, my boy um, Dante, we'll, we'll get to his question. He got sold a, a life insurance contract that, I, um, that I'm still breaking down. Yeah. Uh, but he goes, yeah, I listen to like 10 retirement podcasts a week. <laughs> really? Like, are you crazy? Wow. Okay. So. All right. Thanks again, folks, for a, um, for the wonderful questions. We'll see you again next week. For Big Al Copine and Andy Last, I'm Joe Anderson. Show's called Your Money Well. Annaliate, Bonanza, and Cookerville are in the derails at the very end of today's episode, so stick around if Joe's weird pronunciations is your thing. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule your free financial assessment video call. doesn't matter where you are in the country, and the chances are one of the certified financial planners at Pure can help you identify strategies 
strategies to create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Doesn't that totally annihilate my dollar cost averaging? What was that word, Joe? Uh, annihilate? Annihilate. 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 It's funny because I, I, I know the word, but I was having trouble figuring it out how to say it as well. Annihilate. So, so I will, I will, I'll give you a pass on that one. Thank you, brother. How <laughs> about just blow it up, destroy it? <laughs> Small words, folks, for Joe. So uh, annihilate, annihilate. You know, I've, I've I've heard that word. I've said that word. I don't think I've ever seen it in written form. It's like, what? <laughs> wow. By the way, I especially enjoyed the riff on Bonanza. Did a while back. I don't remember. Bonanza. Yeah, it is Bonanza, but I I like to call it Bonanza. <laughs> That's the French pronunciation. <laughs> It could be cookie, cookie bill. I'd like cooker bill. There's cookie. no, there's no R in there. I know. It, I, it looks good though. Cookie, yeah, cooker. I, I thought the key kind of had a little, little funky R next to it. <laughs> Jeremy, you live someplace else now. Ooh, black 2019 Yamaha Drive Two Cute Tech Four Stroke with Independent Suspension. This thing purrs. <laughs> I feel it's quiet tech. No, it's know. one of those marketing terms. Cute. Drive through. Is that is that the golf cart? I don't know what. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, he's talking about his golf cart because you asked about it. No. So he's telling you it's a black 2019 Yamaha Drive Two Quiet Tech Four Stroke with independent suspension. Throw that thing up on there. I'm in the I'm in the market. That's 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 what you want. Oh, I'm getting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a. You're um, moving to a golf village, aren't you? A qu- um, uh, <laughs> um, I, attack. <laughs> no, I forget. I forget the name brand. Okay. All right. Those are pretty cool. Um, Cabria, I think, is what I'm looking at. The Cabria. I think it was like 25 miles an hour. There you go. Right. How's, how fast does this thing go? That's a good question. It looks like it. Let's see. Top speed. No. All right. So uh, I'll, I'll take a look at the uh, Yamaha Drive 2. Yeah. We're going to go. 32 kilometers per hour. <laughs> that's about 25 22, miles an hour. 25. Yeah, yeah. about the same. 